0: Podcast to
1: magically disappoint your parents. <laughs> that
0: one—that's probably my favorite one so far.
1: No, I didn't like that one. Still. Well, I'm I, a fan of your voice, so. Oh, thank you. I apparently have other fans too <laughs> that like it. I don't know what they see in it. I hope they're listening <laughs> or hearing it. I appreciate them, every single one of them. Hi, everyone! How's it going? We're back!
0: We're in the third part of the series, but it's not over after this. <laughs> Just in case you're like, man, it's finally this
1: long journey's over. It's not going to be over. Nah, we still have a long way to go for this season. Um, for, uh, for one thing, to start off this episode, a uh, couple of shout-outs. Hey! Number one, thank you to Kasama Culture on our Instagram page. What a friend. Um, your comments... Uh, brought Jean to tears. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things bring me to tears. I can not take a compliment. I'm one of those people who can't take it because I'm like, either you're insulting me or you're lying to me to make me feel better. And so I just can't. But... However, I'm trying to take it. Um, Yes, so uh, if uh, y'all don't know who Kasama Culture is, follow them on their Instagram. They are a great source for uh, herbal remedies, Mm -hmm. uh, traditional herbal Filipino remedies, um, and medicinal practice. Not like, you know, like a... A physician, kind of like, you know, accredited, like, hospital, like, capitalist kind of shit. (laughs) Yeah. But more like uh, traditional.
0: Like the powers of our own people, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean?
1: Which I appreciate a lot.
0: Um, So thank you, Kusama Culture, for putting us on your platform. And so we want to just give you some free love here. And also, shout out to Angelica um, Rosado, who talked to us about the amount of downloads. You know, we were really excited because it's kind of a record. Um, download one but and one. One. who knows what it is right now um but you really brought it back to us that the impact of our words besides the measure of what a download is really matters and so that's
1: immeasurable and
0: um sometimes we forget
1: <laughs> wait I'm just like thinking like as soon as we air this one it's like it still stays 1,000. <laughs> That was it. That's as high that as it, it goes. That's where it goes. Everyone stop. Everyone the <laughs> one. They did it. We're done here. <laughs> joking, joking,
0: Season just over. Now. Just kidding. We, uh, you can't <laughs> get rid of us. All right. So we're going to talk about, before we talk about, um, you know, the best part of the show, which is the subject of sexualization, I, we wanted to do a few shout outs um, for the week that's coming up. We have Kamayan that is happening on August 17 by the Asian uh, Community Development Council?
1: Yeah, here in Las Vegas. If you already didn't know, which I hope everyone knows, that we're based here in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where we do our podcast. So uh, we've been getting in touch with our community, and we do want to go ahead and highlight a lot of uh, events that are happening in the community. Yes. um, Because I... I don't get to, like, hear a lot about it until Jean brings it up to me.
0: You got to take advantage of the opportunities to have community. So, come on in. You know, it is free food. It's put on by our friend Caitlin, who is the outreach coordinator of ACDC. But also, like, you know, get out of your house and get to know other Filipinos. It's not that bad. I mean... I mean, maybe you'll stress you that come on, too, while, while we're there. I'll be there. Um, and also, Cozy, which is a comics and zine fest that I'm helping head the committee on that to mm-hmm. develop resources um, for the center, the LGBTQIA Center. Um, from, that's next Saturday, 12 to 5 p.m., August 3rd. So, see you there, nerds. Hope to see you there.
1: And if you are our listeners, I think a majority of our listeners tend to be uh, out of state, which is fine. But yeah. I mean, like, we're only like, what, like a four-hour drive away <laughs> or a one plane ticket away? You can come. Yeah. We gave you like two weeks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically one week in advance for yeah. your cozy event. That's still ahead of time, though, in my mm.
0: book. Yeah. So
1: here let's, we are. Let's get into the gritty really quick. Let's recap. Number one, Ooh. on our beauty standards journey, we took you through skin. And weight number one on weight uh, we were di- having major discussions on how um weight affects us as filipinas in the community how we may be admonished for our like body type and weight and how that becomes a big like a uh, way to demolish as well as have a submitting factor to a mm-hmm. standard of beauty right as well as um t- discussions on skin color and uh Um, Also, having Morena or uh, Moreno or Morena, um, you know, like insults on skin, Mm -hmm. talking about like ways in which, you know, quote-unquote, skin care becomes a way to, like, su- again, submit to beauty standards or ideals, uh, a.k.a. Escanal, a.k.a. papaya soap. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those are uh, just a quick recap. Thanks for
0: sharing, too, by the way, on those comments about your experiences.
1: Oh, yeah, thank you. Telling thank us you. in confidence, we,
0: you know, thank you.
1: Yeah, but um, also having, like, a recognition of where these – uh ideas of standards of beauty are stemming from, Mm -hmm. and as we have mentioned in our past episode, colonialism plays a role in that um, because of... Okay, let's back it up. Alright, so a lot of um, communities of color, specifically within the Filipino community, tend to experience beauty standards, of course, on weight and skin tone, but also rooting those in the idealistic uh, visions of colonizers, right? So, So for those
0: people who are like, what the hell are colonizers? Is this is Pocahontas, where we talk about John Smith. Can you tell, um, Smith, you know, for those those new to the word colonialism, um, can you explain why that term is kind of important? Like, um, um, like who built colonies? <laughs> Just real quick, because that's important to why. <laughs> a whole
1: All bunch right. of people. All right, so when we look at a lot of the a lot of the world. Um, how it's been discovered and how it has been, quote, unquote, conquered, how Mm, it is, quote, unquote, brought into assimilation or uh, to standards of lifestyles that we're going to be also talking about. Um, Colonialism basically means um, a country or a nation or a government that invades um, say another nation or country and then in a way demolishes the culture. So you're saying it, by force. By like force, they use force. I'm using demolish. <laughs> so um, devastate would also right. like really be a big word to say what colonialism does. Um, and in that turn also uh, brings assimilation. And when we say assimilation, mm-hmm. we mean submitting to their standards, uh, taking away culture. So um, for example, uh, The Philippines has been uh, known to be colonized greatly throughout its whole history Mm -hmm. Um, by East Asian countries, then we have Europe aka the Spaniards, and then we have the United States that later plays a role in uh, colonization as well during the early 1900s. so when we start having this these discussions, colonialism, especially in concern to the Philippines, we're kind of more referring to um, standards presented and enforced by the Spanish and um, the United States because those are the most recent colonizers and the ones who have left the bigger footprint right. in terms of centuries and like decades. Um,
0: so to kind of tie this into beauty, yeah. you know, we're like, what did they leave behind? Like these colonizers, right? So we're thinking about um, one sample, which is religion, right? Yeah. So how does that? How does that? You're like, how does all this colony talk um, have to deal with it? I mean, like, okay, if we just think about how religion played a part. Religion,
1: here's, here's the thing we're going to be touching on is military mm-hmm. and also um, religion. Mm-hmm. So militarism and religion is one of the major factors that plays into this next topic that we're going to address, which is called sexualization. Yeah,
0: yeah so that's the, you know, it's talking about how weight, skin color, equals this kind of sexualization, like how did we arrive here?
1: Yeah, and also, so we have this submission to beauty standards that usually are rooted by the colonizer, AKA, you know, white European beauty standards or Western US standards, you know, of looking more whiteness, and again, um, it's a common thing to talk about this proximity or this closeness to looking as uh, white or Caucasian or yeah. like European as possible. So a lot of people go to lengths of like adjusting their nose or getting rhinoplasty or like, you know, major skin like, you know, bleaching like methods right. and then major weight loss or like surgeries in order to go ahead and have that idealistic um, body type. And also, like, I would argue heels can be a big like, yeah. contributing factor.
0: And so this stuff is really deeply rooted, right? Is something we talked about in our last episode. So, um, you know, bringing, we like to talk about these things that – have probably deeply hurt heard heard us in ways. So how does it finally end up with Jean and Rose? So after talking about, and thank you for bringing historical context, how does this affect our moms? And so we wanted to bring up a question by Kasama, mm-hmm. if that's okay. So Kasama Culture wrote us, hey, Pamelia, thanks for the space to open up on some topics for conversation on the podcast. One point I was really intrigued with was when I was in circle last Sunday was our own sex education growing up, in the home, at school, on TV, from peers, and not existence sex education growing and how it influences the mindsets choices and expectations of sex in our adulthood. So um that's to say like damn Jean has been a virgin for a good long time before I was actually <laughs> in a relationship so I definitely this has impacted my life on religion that plays a part on policing me and seeing me as what my mom has enforced in a way the virgin Mary versus the gold digger sexually active slut, right? So
1: mm-hmm. I feel like that's the difference with me and Jean like Um, my, my family was not strongly religious, although on face value, we were like, oh yeah, we're Roman Catholic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the times I felt that my mother and my father were more reliant on school systems to provide that education to me. And obviously within like the context of the U.S., abstinence is a big thing or like, um, how they go, like sex education is very... Uh, it's frustrating because they don't cover a wide variety of topics, nor uh, do they promote like healthy, like you know, ways in which consent is discussed. Right. Um, in which issues of contraceptives are discussed. Like none of that is discussed. Yeah. Only abstinence. Like don't have sex. Right. But it's like, can you really prevent? You know. Yeah. But it's like education is the best. It's like even with education, are you promoting the best? Uh pathway or the best solution, you know. Right. But But these are
0: taboo conversations for our parents. Exactly.
1: And so as a person coming from, like, an immigrant family, like, that's, I think that's the difference. And I don't know, like, like, when it comes to, like, religious backgrounds, I know, like, that tends to be a a... Different conversation? It's it means
0: a different conversation means having no conversation. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean just the, the assumption of like um, I'm gonna stay in your home and then time to get married and then I finally have a life, but children miraculously come out of me without fucking. We're like like it's that's just we conver- like the conversation around being sexy or being sex positive or being sexualized are just not talked about. But I only have two choices to never have sex or your This terrible slut shamed Filipina,
1: and it's also like, how do you define being like either like you know this this mantle of like virginity or Mm. like you know purity, and then like how are you defined by like you know this hypersexualized or like too sexy like you know Filipina? I it's hard to bridge. It's hard to bridge. It's hard to address because my mom. In the Philippines, when my mom was growing up, she told me her mom was hella religious, you know, her mom would get on her ass. My mom would not be allowed to go out, you know, right. Because like same. she would think that my mom was going around sleeping around or something, you know, and it's like my mom's like, I just wanna go and hang out with my friends, you know, like Yeah. And but at the same time my grandmother like was just like, No, like, you like you can't be doing this, you can't be going out, you can't be having like, you know, like these relationship relationships with men. So I think in a way that kind of turned my mom off and like my mom was more lax in that. Um, And, like, I don't, like, I think, uh, personally, like, in my experience as a Filipina, like, I haven't had to worry, like, my other friends have had to worry Mm. in terms of, like, having that religious background and also, like, these standards of, like, you know, marriage first, then sex late, like, comes after, and then the family and blah, blah, blah. And that plays all to, like, the standard, like, family, like, you know, triangle or nuclear family that I haven't had to deal with. Yeah. So... But at the same time, like my mom had this way in which she was like, "You can have fun, but don't be, don't look like a slut," you know. What is you? looking like a slut? Mean, and I was like the other right? day, I was like so one. I don't know how you Damn. define that. And so that was my mom's perceptions, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, for
0: me, like growing up uh, in Guam, like if you even just had a boyfriend or around a boy for like five or so minutes you must be doing something with them or, you know what I mean? The assumption is that I'm doing something with them um, or I'm chased away next to them. Like it was, I mean, I used to be a really like tomboy when I was growing up. And if I was hanging out in this like skateboard circle for more than 10 minutes, they were really fucking worried. You know what I mean? Like something's going to happen to Jean and whatnot. So, I mean, definitely this kind of policing that has happened in colonialism and militarism um, has evolved in this kind of shaping of, moving our girls in these protective bubbles and kind of really damaging them because it's not not damaging but like kind of really keeping them ignorant about what their power is as a person because they're kind of just like leveraged between families and boyfriends and things in a way where we don't have agency we're just like subjects
1: and a lot of times like and this is not to bash anyone who is like you know practicing their religion mm-hmm, or, or mm-hmm. devout Catholic or devout Christian. Like, however, a lot of religion tends to stem for a patriarchal standard of like submission and um, admonishing women for being promiscuous or trying to date around. Right. You know. So it's just like also like that kind of stratifies women right in which like you don't have the same freedom as a man to explore your options because that would be seen as you being promiscuous or being a slut and, you know like she goes around blah 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 and then i feel like that also calls attention to the perceptions of filipinas um in general around the world and within the united states right so kind of like Going back on historical contexts and like just discussions on how Filipinas have to navigate the spaces outside the the Philippines and within like you know their own home, like you are being admonished for having freedoms or like maybe even developing a Western quote ideology. Yeah, you know, even
0: just thinking that way you're saying is like a little taboo mm-hmm. a little disrespectful
1: and my mom will be like, "Oh, that's very American of you." And I'm just like, mm, "Is it though, right? Is it though? Or are
0: <laughs> my ancestors talking to me like this shit is crazy?" Um, you know, and I want to make sure we answer Kasama's question. I think that um, you know, how how do these influences, you know, I think okay, the things that we're exposed to are kind of more wholesome when we were growing up as Filipinos in these um kind of American households. And so, you know, we don't really discuss why porno is taboo <laughs> or, you know, or da- like the, the rules of dating. It's like, don't date till you're 30. Those are the kind of conversations that we're raised on. And so it's going back to we're not having conversations. Quick
1: question. When, when did you watch your first porn video? <laughs> Out of curiosity. Um,
0: okay. I'm trying to think. When did I watch? Probably in my 20s. That's my like twenties. In my twenties, man, oh. like that's. I mean, I come from a Catholic country, which is Guam. I also was in a very Catholic household, and you know, I went to Catholic school. Like, I am a three-parter Catholic, right? So, like, watching porno was very like taboo. But then realizing I had absolutely no idea on how how to have sex how to put a condom on and my parents are both nurses right like this is how ignorant Mm -hmm. i was right (laughs) mm
1: -hmm. right
0: so like you know and and to their end they think they're being good parents but to that end i was pretty vulnerable like you know i let a lot of people (laughs) influence me in ways that my parents could have stepped in in a way that was healthy and positive and empowering i don't know if i'm going too far on this but
1: question This porn video, do yeah. you remember uh, who was in the porn? Actually, you know what?
0: Let me say, let me. that's a great um, conversation. It was actually hentai, right? Because I was still <laughs> so scared to watch you porn watch with hentai. people, right? Wow. Because I was just like, you know, like that whole taboo of seeing other people's like parts. You know, their genitalia hanging out. I mean, like...
1: It was a, it was a heterosexual intercourse kind of deal, right? Yeah. Man, quote, man, woman, quote. Right.
0: So it's just like, I guess it's easier to just watch cartoons. And I don't know how many other people were like,
1: yeah. Was there condoms involved in this? Definitely content?
0: not. But... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, <laughs> and I'm glad we can have those candid conversations, right? Because there's going to be somebody here like, Ooh, I You know, I watched porn way earlier or I watched porn way later. And I'm sure there's someone's... Tita or, you know, mom going to be like, all right, turn off this shit. This is inappropriate. But, you know, like. This
1: comes into play what uh, Kasama was talking about, you know. Like, I feel like these exposures and, like, being, uh, like, you know, influenced in a way, you know, like, because, okay, I took a class with uh, Dr. Lynn Camilla Mm -hmm. um, called uh, Censorship, Obscenity, and uh, Sex. And basically, it was those discussions of, like, exposure, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, when do we label something as too inappropriate for children? And that comes to play with sex education, too, right? right? It, it all comes full circle. Um, sex is just, like, such a big commodity and, like, weird industry and weird discussion for people. But it's something that people just cannot help but talk about, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's in, quote, unquote, private. Right. right? So it's... Revolving and that revolves in, in our like community because that's another thing. It's like, how are Filipinos presented in these spaces within sex and sexuality? Right, you know, and then how are we sexualized? Because, like, there are some videos out there like crazy Filipina wants to be banged hard and hurrah and shit, you know? Yeah, yeah and I've that's seen those. The shit. And that's one of the things that I feel like, por- like, within a porn industry, like. They tend to enforce stereotypes. And yeah. that's where we can see how some people may have a perception of a Filipina. Yeah.
0: And think it, it's okay, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, and I'm really glad you asked these questions about like porno because it's like, honestly, I mean, I mean, what did the hentai involve submission
1: kind of thing? (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, what position was she like saying no, no, no? And like, that's some of the shit that was happening. But you know what?
0: Thinking about um, hentai too, real quick, you know, like, what is the perception of like Asian women in those videos, right? You know, I'm under, I know that I'm under that umbrella and, you know, being in like the comic industry and having just to work on one on one in a professional level, like how are my peers see me as like maybe a submissive Asian woman who, you know, is just entering the comics industry, but no, like I'm being sexualized, even if we're not having sex, right? Like it's I'm kind of it put into a box narrative. Mm-hmm. Anywho, so let's go back into narratives, right? You know, um, hopefully we answered part of your question, Kusama. Um But so I went on Pinterest and I, <laughs> I was just trying to find yeah. empowering things about Filipinas and I wanted to read some of these things for this is kind of like the first look at it from Rose. So from filipinalove.net they gave us six different reasons why you should marry a Filipina. You know, Um, first one, she loves her huge family Um. and um, (laughs) so the two main points of that particular first point was that she puts her family's sake before herself um, and returns favor to parents' work. What do you think of that?
1: That okay i feel like there's this perception as a filipino woman and as a woman in general in which you have to be Mm self-sacrificing you have to put others needs before yourself and i feel that is what part of the problem of fostering an unhealthy like you know mindset like Mm -hmm. and also putting burden on women hella fatigue hella fatigue and i see that happening in other like asian cultures and within my family and like this is just widespread to like the rules projected on women in general this emotional and like you know physical labor of your life yeah
0: this first point really um before and there's a lot of points but this first point makes me feel like the woman that they're describing in this or the filipina is she's very sexless right she's just like family 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 before like any type of pleasure or anything like that um number two point on this filipinalove.net Please look this up. Is um she's very <laughs> religious and the quote is so devoted to their faith you might find it ridiculous sometimes. So what I are, am not one of them. <laughs> But also, like, and who is this article written for? Because it seems like the person who receives this article is not religious. We'll right? get
1: to this as soon as we finish these points about like my true <laughs> opinion. Because like I, I haven't read any of these, and so I'm actually I really am reacting right now. You should I'm, see Rose's face. Uh, my <laughs> brows are up to my
0: freaking light like, hairline. Right now. Um, three. The point number three. She loves singing. So expect. No.
1: <laughs> okay. What? So- I mean, like people love singing <laughs> in general, right?
0: Um, It says, expect to be pressured to sing and refuse politely.
1: They see one viral Filipino video and all of a sudden they're like, they love singing. Yeah,
0: I mean, it feels like we're like performative monkeys in this, right? So number four point, she loves food. If she cooks for you, expect you are going to eat a lot. Bitch, (laughs) I I love food too. Everyone eats, okay? I definitely, um, we just had lunch before we aired today and we definitely did not make our food. So...
1: I I don't even know how to cook some of the food that we ate today? I, I, my most like knowledgeable dish, like the one that I can't cook, is rice. <laughs>
0: And a fried egg. <laughs> it looks like we're, like, more than halfway through this six-part list from FilipinaLove.net, Filipina and it doesn't seem like me and uh, Rose at this point, due to this narrative, are very dateable Filipinos, or mar- marriageable Filipinas. Number five, she is submissive, not passive. They, so this article says we make good wives because we're submissive. She learns If she learns that you have a mistress, um, you will discover that hell hath no fury. So it's just like... Um, Two ends of the spectrum. We're like really submissive until you cheat on us. Like, I don't know, like it's just
1: I'm so like I'm just
0: like, what the fuck? I know this is kind of a hot mess article. Who wrote this? Um, What's their right, name? Right, who wrote who did, this? Who do I email? <laughs> um, and we hope you really look up uh, this article on Filipinalove.net. Keep saying was it. This written. <laughs> Number six, she can give you a cold silence. So it says in the article that we're sometimes sensitive. So um,
1: I am not sensitive. We're
0: definitely <laughs> not that. <bad. laughs> um, so this, you know, I was like, this can't be the only article written like this. There is another article on fdguides.com okay. which has similar points but it has additional four points. So number six, not all Filipinas are hard to get. And these are actual quotes. Um, First quote to is, in general, conservative, shy, and demure. (laughs) The second quote is, they're the easiest girls to get laid. And this is like, literally, um, this one was derived in a similar article, which is how to date Filipinas. It was like nine different reasons. I'm reading you six to I nine. I feel like
1: I'm about to barf in your bag right now. I know.
0: Now. <laughs> um, the next point, seventh, the seventh point, not all Filipinas are skilled in the household chores. So um, they encourage the reader to secure yourself and ask directly if they do household chores. Um, I didn't know we were... I think
1: it's <laughs> obvious in a relationship to have a discussion and compromise and also not to make someone your new Fucking mommy, or so, maid. Or maid. Your fucking glorified maid. Okay. Uh, right. So, ah, like, okay, exactly. so, a lot of these ah. so
0: far aren't even about like fucking, but they are definitely sexualizing Filipinas in a way that they are kind of, as they say, submissive, right? So n- the number eight point, not all Filipinas are after your money. And then this this person goes into several ways how they are actually after your money, but it does have this one point where it, it supports the first sentence. Um, They have a lot of reasons for drama in her life. So um, it's kind of diminishing the reasons of like kind of survival that, you know, Maybe Filipinas, the whole money and Filipino situation is very like okay central. let's go
1: back on the topic of history and let's colonialism go. and militarism okay alright so y'all know before I brought about this book called Panay Power and also Melinda de Jesus a Filipino feminist who wrote basically our our testament to like what feminism looks like and should be enacted as within our community, within our culture, and within our country. Um, so here's the deal, all right? Um, why these perceptions are happening. So uh, just some historical background, going back to during the Marcus era, during the 1980s and 1990s, and this is um, these are what I picked up in my studies and also um, learning from Jesus' book, um, during the 1980s a major like a uh, a lot of development of like um brothels or like aka uh, bikini bars were popping up around three of like the major air bases I think believe one of them was a uh, Clark Air Base mm-hmm. in which a lot you would see a lot of these uh quote, quote, hostess bars or brothels being popped up around the 1980s. And this is just something that De Jesus' article said that this was providing the R&R for the U.S. and the Philippines. And then you started seeing more uh, of these uh, kind of red-light district, you know, sex-like, you know, uh, institutions start popping up around more touristy areas following in the 1990s in Cebu and in Manila. Um... So that's just part of the historical context, right? It's also keeping in mind, you know, consent and coercion. Talk about it, girl. You know, so, like, when we talk about consent, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, sex workers, um, please keep in mind in our podcast, you know, we are not admonishing, like, sex workers. We're not admonishing sex positivity. However, we do want to bring attention to the historical context of the Philippines versus the historical context of the United States. What that looks like in both different countries. All right. So when we talk consent, um, I have learned, and we have, and it is known, like um, in a way, it is quote unquote. These women do go into the industry with consent. However, we are not addressing the political and environmental like cocktail that is served in order for. Uh, that to be coerced or to be setting that trajectory for women to go into the sex industry because that's the only option available to them and there's also like trying not to have a victim mentality as me as a Filipino American especially like knowing mm. people who do sex work however as a Filipino American I recognize that in that, in that back in the home country back in my mother's country back in the Philippines it is not easy to get by you know so there's a lot of women have to like you know, resort to following that employment, you know? And so this also is what ties into these perceptions of, you know, women as either going to be what is quote-unquote called the Virgin Mary versus the gold digger or the Mm -hmm. woman, the male order bride, you know? And you also have to keep in fact, like, being around these, like, United States Air Force bases, colonialism playing a major factor is how idealized or what, pedestal we put the United States on, what we put Europe on, you know? And when we have these tourists coming into, like, the Philippines, when we have, like, these interactions with, you know, the, like, the U.S. bases or, like, you know, veterans or, like, um, just, you know, citizens in general and, like, the militarization of the Philippines, all of that shit, you know, plays into, like, you know, having to sell, like this, like, this fantasy of a lifestyle of not only a lifestyle but a way of living, a way of acting, a way of looking, you know, to be. You know some real talk, and so that's what plays in a lot into beauty standards as well for the Philippines is like this proximity to Western like lifestyle as well as proximity to whiteness. Mm-hmm. So they all come full circle with one another. So that's why I'm kind of getting from these fucking like articles, you right. know. And <clears throat> so also you taught me that this
0: might be a preferred way of being Filipino, right? Like, you know, the whole weight and skin color and. You know maybe we have to play into being submissive or this you know what i mean like some of these narratives because that's how we're gonna get as far as we can for survival
1: uh, yeah and like here's the other thing why the sexualization of filipinas becomes an, a big thing and an issue you know the reason why like there's this whole debate or debacle in terms of like why this push of sexualization for Filipinas are to like, you know, cis hetero men is because number one, you know, with the rise of like in the West for feminist, you know, movements, you know, and uh, uh, white feminism in general, was just like, oh, well, our women, you know, like, and this was what was being promoted during the Marcos era as right. well. And like, you know, why these like uh, brothels start popping up around and more enduring, like, more brothels popping up around, you know, like the metropolis areas of, the Cebu, of Cebu and the, and and the Manila. (laughs) And, like, it's because the Philippines, the Manila, the Cebu. Anyways, (laughs) so basically why these brothels start popping up more was also like this pr- providing a fantasy, providing a commodification to like you know these tourists like these Europeans, these you know Americans to like oh well they're submissive, they're yeah. subservient and that's what I'm getting from these fucking articles right. you're selling sex you know you're trying to sell, it's, it's another way of sex tourism yeah and also
0: because our just, people are not liberated like yeah. our the, the, they're selling this idea, not that they're actually not liberated, but the idea that is selling is that our people are not liberated, that we're backwards, and we are we are sex slaves in a way like we're super religious yeah. we're good wives yeah yeah, yeah. you you kind of get the whole package, but in the end, we are so secondary in the relationship that we hope to have
1: and just did we stop at 8?
0: <laughs> so, we did stop at 8. And one of the n- last points of this particular thing, of these two articles, how to date Filipina or marry Filipinas, is um, not all Filipinas are partygoers, But in the quote in that particular article is, uh, the women who do show up at bars are aware of hooking up. And if they're there, then they're down to clown, you know. so um,
1: I think that's like a recognized area when it comes to clubbing, at least in my experience mm, in clubbing in the United States. You tell and were you
0: down to clown or someone did perceive you as that
1: you know okay here's what
0: rose is fixing uh, um her shirt she's uncomfortable okay
1: listen all right so i once dated this um this dude right this white dude All right, like here's the thing he was a good guy all right but his uh, white best friend was also really creepy Mm. and so i like overlooked on his shoulder one day where he was like i need to get my own asian american pie you know and i was like ew Girl. did he literally just text you that because we were dating Girl. and then he said that to him when like he was like oh yeah i'm out with you know rose right now and sent that it's like i need to get my own a- asian cutie pie or whatever i have a similar story um yeah. so
0: my friend was dating this guy for like a month straight She was like having sex with him she's half um, mexican half white and suddenly he's like i can't date you my mom thinks you're filthy right? And she's like, but I'm half white, right? That was her justification. He's just like, no, but you have Mexican blood in you. We go to a party at her house. He's hitting on me. And I was like, bro, like, you don't like brown girls. What's your deal? And he's like, oh, but Asian women are the next uh, thing to white women. So you're good enough. Hang on, I need
1: a barf in your bag now.
0: (laughs) And, you know, I mean, that was not a compliment because I love my friend and I love my skin, and it was a very uncomfortable situation at a party to experience. But again, it's this kind of thing like, I'm a subject, not an agent in my sexuality. It's that,
1: like, she tried, like, it was a justification towards whiteness, you mm. know, too. And then, like, also, like, this, like, Olympics. Idea. Well, we're talking about coercion, right? Like, yeah. So this,
0: uh, yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: like, then, of course, it's well, like, uh, like trying to, like, grab for, like, straws or something. Right. And that's just, like, uh, and here's the thing that really gets me about these articles and just, like, you know, the stigma, the sexualization that happens around Filipino women and, like, these quote-unquote advices that are being presented as facts yeah. rather than them being presented for what they are, which is the desires of men for what women should or be to them.
0: And so they're not respecting truly the consent of Filipinas. And that's that's the real shit, you know? Can you define consent for those who are, like, This might be new, you know? Yes
1: means yes, and no means fucking no. (laughs) (laughs) With the
0: added fucking no, right?
1: (laughs) Maybe means fucking maybe, all right? Don't try to read between the fucking line. Just take it for what it is. Yeah, and, you know... Um, no, one's, no one's trying to be coy with you, okay? <laughs> um, you know, I
0: wanted to share two more stories of how these kind of narratives impact our lives because, you know, in Bruja Baddies, we want to bring it real on the real, right? You know, we can talk about the historical aspect, but, like, why these concepts are very, like, like harmful. Um, so, for example, like, me and my dad, we went to church, um, and I was... I decided on a dress that is, of course, above my knee or whatever. I'm 31. What the fuck, you know? And I come out into the living room. He comes He's supposed to pick me up for church. And he's like, you can't go like that. Uh, What will the priest say? What what will the priest say? What will people think, right? These are, um, it's basically what is the public opinion of your body? And I, because of Bruja, because these Conversations I have with Rose and with others we've had on the show have really empowered me even if I am a host it's just like no no like this is my body I get to wear whatever the fuck I want and you know <laughs> it, it was just damn like G. you know my husband was watching this happen in the living room and he was just kind of like damn like you are a changed woman, right? And it's just in these small exchanges of people of like, no, this is my body. And I think that's good practice to say. And the cool thing after church was like, they came up to me, she's like, your calves are awesome, right? Like, imagine if I had listened to my father and wore pants, because he said to wear pants, because the public opinion thinks I should hide my big brown body. And you know what paid in the end for me, I mean, like, I mean, it's not like I was looking to get fucked. It's not my intention,
1: even if these articles write it. Like, oh, damn, there it is. (laughs) What about you, Rose? Oh, okay. In my experiences um, going out with my mom, specifically, like, being a Filipina... And just being asked what I am, because again, like I I have told you all before, and if you see our Instagram, I can be ethnically ambiguous, so I will get questions like, "Oh, what are you?" And I was like, "Jesus!" And I got that one time at a club mm-hmm. where this dude was talking to me, and he was like just you know commenting me, commenting me, <laughs> complimenting me, um, and then he like stops and he stares and he's like, "So, what are you?" Mm. And then I was just like, what do you think I am? And then he's like, uh, I uh, was like, oh my God, okay, yeah, I'm Filipino. And then, and then that was like, oh, okay, all right. And then it's like, it felt like he thought he figured me out kind of mm. thing. Like he knew what to expect. And that's one of the things that kind of pisses me off. It's like, what are you expecting? Right. You know. And another thing, um, going out with my mom in time, and this wasn't our first episode. You know, when I told you I went to go get sushi with my mom, and then this dude, because I was looking fly. You always look fly. <laughs> well, thank you. I know. And. <laughs> um, we were just sitting down eating sushi, minding my business, slipping my, my you know, water with my lemon. And he <laughs> he like like one of the dudes looks at me, he's like, So, are you Filipino? And then like me and my mom are like, Oh yeah, we're Filipino. And then he starts trying to say, Oh, Maganda and or anything. And I was like, Oh god, I wanna throw up and then he starts saying things to my mom, like, So is this my future uh Uh, mother-in-law then and I'm like jeez like they they think they know one word Tagalog and all of a sudden they got me or you know I feel like that's the other thing is like being a Filipino and being a woman and being in these spaces in which you know you are trying to be pinpointed for what and who you are yeah you know then it becomes this whole thing like I figure it out I know what to expect I know what to get and that's why I feel like these articles and like these stereotypes are trying to point to is like trying to figure people out and simplify it and like get what you know, they want and desire from us, and that pisses me off. I mean, it it pisses me off to the point where, like,
0: I feel like crying because this is, these were designed as a resource for, you know, for finding and pinpointing us, right? Like, and... You didn't pinpoint Jack shit. <laughs> right, these are not <laughs> articles written by women by filipino women and whatnot um and some of these things might be compliments to you you know like compliments <laughs> you know um and assess why why do you abide by some of this stuff and why you're okay and
1: i mean these it. are like basic like how do you take <laughs> care of yourself do you do your own fucking laundry do your own laundry Do your own, laundry. Do your own goddamn laundry cook your own, food. Cook your own fucking food and fuck yourself <laughs> you got hands,
0: hopefully. <laughs> or,
1: like, you know what? There, there's ways in which you can cope with that, okay? But not through me. But So their
0: conclusion on uh, these two articles, the conclusion why Filipino women make good wives, they're beautiful, family-oriented, great at household chores, and very responsible. I am not those things. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, I mean, I think this is another testament to, like, it's like so cis hetero men obviously were the ones writing this right and it's like what do we promote or what environment is fostered to men you know girl that's not a good question like the fact of not taking like here do the opposite uh men tend to not do household chores that's usually relied on the woman to like do housework family oriented the man is always expected to work and he doesn't have to worry about raising a child how do you make or- yourself dateable <laughs> i start there. Are you family? That was a free advice from us. It's like women, especially within our community, are expected to be child rearing, to be able child-like to. Childlike, too. Childlike, and also be, like, you know, submissive. And, like, they want someone who's stuck in time where patriarchy was at its height, you know, of submission and, like, other words. <laughs> right. And I mean, like, you so, know, some of
0: these things, you know, um, and probably we will touch this up on an episode, but briefly, like, this is also affecting Filipino men in a way that they, too, see us as Filipinas who should kind of enact on upon these things. You know, a lot of the time when I was younger, in my 20s, 31 now, like, a lot of Filipino men did not want to date me because I was not... Um, a petite white Filipino woman yeah, and whatnot same. so um, then I'm caught in this in between of like okay so I date outside of my ethnicity and then my hus- my current husband now he is a small half Mexican half white man and he was still seen not good enough for me because he was a smaller man so what is that what are we also saying about masculinity when it comes to the sexualization of Filipinos and Filipinas and Filipino exes like we're kind of working against each other in these
1: and that's another thing is like you know, as a Filipino woman, as an Asian woman, you know, these stereotypes of submissiveness, of, you know, demure, of being, you know, catering and, you know, thoughtful, but also not, like, you know, resistant to, like, patriarchal forces is a thing, right? And at the same time, this is where I do have sympathizing, like, I sympathize Mm. with my, like, you know, like, with my community, like, with, like, Filipino men, Mm -hmm. in that, you know, they were seen as being asexual or More effeminate, a, 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 a feminine, you know, yeah. and that tends to happen to not Filipino men, but Asian men in general. And then, I'm I don't saying, know what yeah. this K-wave <laughs> going on, like, are the, is that being readdressed? Is that being, hey. you know... Ask
0: us if you want to talk about... We want to talk about that. We don't want to take too much of your time, but we're happy for the time you spend with us. No,
1: I feel like this episode was long, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: It's a hefty episode, and we knew it was going to be really hefty, but we want to leave you um, a few... We'll leave two or three solutions for you. May or may not work. You know, we're still in the um, trenches with you.
1: I feel like just like a lot of our history, the stereotypes, the admonishment, the... Putting down and taking away is complicated. This topic is complicated. Mm. And I feel like talking about this has really put me everywhere, just in general, yeah. you know, like, cause there's so many ways to address this, you know. Um, in terms of socio political environments, in terms of capital and capitalism, the economics, and of it. the economics of it, and like how these are all interconnected with one another and how they still carry over in our relationships and our lives. And I just want to pre- uh, say it to everyone like, thank you for listening so far during this series and just understanding, like, um, when it comes to solutions. Um, we come, we come up with those together, you know. Mm. And as much as like we wish we could have all the answers, we don't. But good maybe point. a good point, or a good, oh, good point, <laughs> yeah. a good point to start, or a good place to start is by addressing how we cater to uh, these stereotypes. How do we enforce these in our everyday? What do we mm-hmm. do to? Uh, like probably submit ourselves to these ideologies or how do we fight back against them? How do we right. resist at the end of the day? So, you know, comment that, you know. Let yeah. us know how do you resist today. Yeah, may-
0: maybe you have the solutions. So for me, um, I, my two or three is, number one, you are sexy as fuck no matter what shape, color, or, you know, particularism is holding you back. Um, Number two, you know, be part of the sex education dialogue. Like even if you don't know anything about sex, ask the questions, ask the right questions, seek answers. I mean, um, maybe collectively you can find answers even with your also like as clueless partner, at least you're starting somewhere so that somebody doesn't turn your consent into coercion. And you know, number three, like where would you wear and be mindful of the voice that polices how beautifully empowered and sexy you are um, in whatever you identify as Filipina, Filipino, or Filipinx, like that is going to change these kind of things written about us because you are standing in your own resistance and radical beauty.
1: Um, I guess like in reflection to that, And if there's pauses, it's because, like, I'm really assessing my emotions on this. Mm -hmm. I'm really thinking about them deeply. And I'm also thinking about the women who are coerced into these industries or coerced into these stereotypes, because that's a way of survival, you know? And- We respect you. And we respect that, you know? And I just wanna tell everyone to be mindful of where you consent and where you feel you are being coerced. Remember who you are, you know, ground yourself, and be within yourself before letting others identify you um, within the community, within your family. Um, also, hold hold yourself, you know, to the highest esteem that you can. Yeah. <sighs> I guess that wraps up our series. It I, is. I, I, this has been a long series. It has been
0: a long series. It's been a fun but also very process-filled series. And we're so glad you stuck by us, even with this long doozy of an episode, which is still so much. But we... Know that we leave the conversation with you and what you can do with it, what you continue to do with it. And so this is Jean. And this is Rose. And this is a Panai podcast. To magically disappoint, disappoint your
1: parents.